Hi, everybody. This is Rick Evans for the latest edition of the 12 Round News Podcast. I hope everybody had a wonderful weekend. And it is Monday, and it is time to recap and kind of review what happened last Saturday night in Las Vegas. Uh, In the main event, everybody knows, if you're listening to this podcast, you know what was going on last Saturday. Um, you definitely, uh, there's a reason you clicked on this link and it's because you want to hear more about Triple G and Canelo, the rematch. Well, Canelo gets the decision over Triple G. Majority decision is the official verdict. Two of the judges scored the fight seven rounds to five. That's 115-113. For Canelo, the third judge had it even at six rounds apiece, 114-114. Now, a lot of people... I mean, this, before I go into public reaction, because that's what, that's what we do after these big fights, is we go on Twitter, we go on Facebook, we watch the talking heads on ESPN or Fox Sports, whatever the case may be. We want to hear more. We want to hear, well, I saw the fight this way, what did everybody else think? But before we get into that, what a fight. From round one to the end of round 12, there was not a, a dull moment. There was, It was consistent drama, consistent action, consistent punches that if these two guys were fighting anybody else, the fight would it could have ended almost at any point during the contest. Um, hellacious uppercuts from both guys, hellacious right hands from both guys, left hooks from hell from both guys. <laughs> you know, a lot of just great action, toe-to-toe, the big shock, the big surprise, the big thing that not a lot of people thought was going to happen while coming into the fight was that Canelo was the aggressor for the vast majority of this fight. Canelo came in and stood toe-to-toe with the the Terminator himself and and not only held his own, but won the fight. Um, nobody, I won't say nobody, but virtually nobody saw that happening. Where if you stand toe-to-toe with Gennady Golovkin, you got through, that you would get through 12 rounds to live to tell the tale a little bit, but that you would win the fight. Um, a, a fantastic performance by Canelo. Um, Triple G put on the performance that I think he should be. It should be heralded as an amazing performance by Golovkin, considering what he was up against early. And I will we'll, we'll kind of go through this, you know, bit by bit. But you know the the judges, like I mentioned, seven to five twice for Canelo, and then six six on the draw card. Uh, to give Canelo the majority points win. Public perception is that, once again, Triple G should have won the fight. Um, We put up a poll on Twitter, and 88% came back and said Golovkin should have got the nod over over, uh, Alvarez. Uh, if you were to leave what I, I know a lot of people do this, and I'm guilty of it too, if you, you finish your pay-per-view and you go, oh, let's go over to ESPN. Let's hear from Stephen A. Smith and Teddy Atlas. That's exactly what I did. Went over there and, and uh, Stephen A. Smith started it off and said that he had it 6-5 one, and, with, and one even in terms of rounds. Six for Golovkin, five for Canelo, and he called the sixth round even. Um, saying it was a close, competitive fight that he thought Triple G should have won. 
then Teddy Atlas came on, and Teddy Atlas did what Teddy Atlas does, and is very passionate about his views, and said that Triple G was blatantly robbed, and he had it somehow 117-112, um, which means he, he had, doing quick math, had nine rounds to Golovkin, uh, and around even someplace, or maybe it was eight rounds to Golovkin and around even someplace, because that card sounds a little funky to me. But um, he thought this was an easy win for Golovkin, and uh, Harold Letterman on the telecast had it eight eight rounds to four for Triple G. So perception seems to be, public perception seems to be that Triple G should have got this decision. Now, I, for one, also scored the fight. And anybody who's following us on Twitter uh, saw what my score was when we got to the end of the fight. Um, I also had it 6-5-1 and one in favor of Golovkin. So I had Triple G winning this fight, edging it out at the very end. And the round I called even, and, um, you know, I haven't done a lot of these where I am... Uh, Watching it from the house with a room full of people. <laughs> uh, not recently, anyway. I've been able to get to a lot of these fights and not have you know family and friends around, and um, was able to 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 watch it a little differently. And I didn't have commentators either, but that's not an excuse. I shouldn't be making any excuses for how I scored it because I think at the end of the day, you could certainly make a case for both guys. I, I don't think this was a robbery type of a fight, but the round I scored even was round eleven. And in watching it back, and and re, and I'd made a cardinal mistake. So I, I question all these folks who get on Twitter and say, oh, Golovkin was robbed. Oh, my gosh, I can't believe Golovkin lost. Da, 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 da. And then you go on, on, on. I really wonder how many of them are sitting down with a pen and paper and really watching and really trying to judge the fight. Because I, I had a house full of people. You know, I had an app on my phone to do 10 nines or 10 eights or whatever we needed to do. And um, I was doing my best to to judge it, you know, and you have to ooh and ah. And it's nice not being in a press area. You can kind of ooh and ah whenever you want to and not show any <laughs> any leanings one way or the other. Um, but with that, I really thought about that for a little bit. And I'm thinking, how many of these folks are really sitting down and judging the fight? Not you get to the end after you've had 15 Takates and you, you want to, oh, this guy definitely won. Well, okay, okay there, uh, boxing analyst expert. That That's fine. Um, but in me scoring, I scored around 11 even, and I probably shouldn't have in hindsight. Um, I made the cardinal mistake of looking at what I had scored going after 10. I had it 5-5 after 10 rounds. And before the fight, I predicted Canelo was going to win the fight. I said Canelo was going to outbox Triple G and Canelo was going to win a decision. So we get through round 11 and I and I think what I what I had in my mind was I don't want to be biased. I don't want I uh, uh, I don't great no. Close round, I said, forget it. It's going to be an even round. Let's go to the 12th. Let's see who wins it in the 12th. That was me sitting on my couch with my own set of Tecate <laughs> and, and judging the fight as best I could, trying to have fun with it, but also doing the best I could to judge the fight so I can come on here on the podcast and give you my opinion. And then in the 12th round, so I still had the fight even going into the last round, and I thought Triple G won that last round. And um, that seems to be where the controversy is in terms of people making the case of, boy, Golovkin didn't deserve to lose that fight because the two judges that scored the fight for uh, Canelo gave the last round 
to Canelo to edge the fight. They had that, they gave the round to Alvarez, and that's what gave him the 115, 113, seven rounds to five on on their cards. So if they had scored that round the way I did, um, I, I, Harold Letterman also scored that round for Canelo, so maybe there is a, a case to be made there, but um, if they had scored that round as I had with tri- for Triple G, we have an even fight. That's six six across the board, and we have another draw. I don't know how well. Speaking of Tecate or, <laughs> or any other alcoholic beverage you like, um, I think they were advertising Hennessy all night or something like that. Whoever was supporting Golovkin, uh, whichever whichever uh, alcohol company was on that one, and that oh maybe it was. Uh, Oh, in any event, I'm not going to get pulled into that. Go down that rabbit hole. Um, <laughs> I don't know how well that would have gone with a crowd to once again spend the kind of money that it took to get into that building, which, by the way, tickets to get into that building started at $500. That's nosebleed, $500. That would have gone incredibly poorly. <laughs> that would not have gone well to have all three judges say 6-6. Six, six. I think you may have had a minor riot at T-Mobile, but... I'm I'm getting off topic a little bit. In any event, I think there's a you could certainly make the case that Canelo and Canelo who came out and stood his ground, took the center of the ring and said, I'm not going anywhere, and engaged in everything that Abel Sanchez said he that he wanted Canelo to do. Come out, Mexican style, and let's go. And that's precisely what Canelo did. And I think it took Golovkin uh, a little by surprise. Um, if you and again watching the telecast at home, you see you know round four, round five, round six. Watch Golovkin. If you go back and watch the fight, Triple G's tired. He is breathing awfully hard in four, five, and six. Um, I'm not sure I've seen him that at least by all appearances that blown up that early in a fight. Um, so whatever for whatever that's worth, um, it looked like Canelo's initial game plan, initial assault worked. It was an effective way to start the fight. Um, however, I did give the first round to Golovkin because the punches he landed, particularly his jabs, were jarring the the bejesus out of Canelo. But in any event, the strategy is going to be what's talked about when we look back at this fight five, ten years from now. You're going to look back and you go, "Oh man, Canelo stood his ground," and we had it wasn't Hagler Hearns. But it wasn't a track meet by any means either. And I think the 12th round was about as good as anything we saw in, in um, gosh, any action fight you could see in the last few, in the last few years. I mean, it was um, just at that high level, two world champions going at it. The last round was unbelievable. But, um, again, digressing, this was an amazing fight. Um, going into the, from the middle rounds into the late rounds, you had Golovkin who needed to call on something or he may was in da- I think he was in danger of gassing out and being in danger of being stopped. He wasn't being hurt by Canelo, but he really didn't appear to have a lot of answers. Um, and then I'll, we'll, we'll put it around round eight. Eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve is when Triple G really turned into Triple G and landed a lot of... Solid shots upstairs to Canelo. Seemed to be getting the better of the exchanges. Round 10 was unbelievably good for Triple G. He landed a right hand that even... I'm sitting in my room full of people I was just mentioning. And I said... And we all do the proverbial... Oh! You know, everyone who's listened to it at a fight party knows that noise. Oh my gosh. Big right hand. 
I and and somebody looked at me and said, "Was that a was that a big shot?" Which I laughed considerably at, and I said, "That's the shot that Triple G usually ends fights with." So he hurt. I believe he hurt Canelo with that punch. If you notice, if you go back and watch the tenth, Canelo gets tagged with the right hand, and you notice he'll start bobbing and weaving. He just kind of starts the rocking motion, even though there's not a lot coming back from Triple G at the moment. But he Canelo does the does the rock. He's like, oh man. <laughs> so, um, but for Canelo to come back from that was incredible. What a what a beard on Alvarez. Unbelievable chin, unbelievable guts to take that shot and keep going, and then have a competitive eleventh and twelfth round, uh, regardless of who where you saw that. Uh, being scored, it was a tremendous, tremendous fight. Um, I don't particularly want to get into the statistics of all of that right now um, because the judges don't see it. The judges never see CompuBox stats. So I think for us armchair quarterbacks who can sit on the outside and dissect the fight and this, that, and complain and do all this other junk, we get all these statistics to try to back it up. The judges never see that. So I will mention this, though. Triple G landed six body shots. That, again, armchair quarterback, but six body shots? I think one of the, the, big, the, the big thing, the two big questions you had, one for each guy coming into this fight, was Canelo going to be on, the, on his back foot jabbing and trying to outbox Triple G like he did last time? And was Triple G going to make a concerted effort to go to the body? If you were to tell anybody that both of those things would not happen... You don't want a lot of bets. You would want a lot of bets. Triple G landed six body punches. Um, that's, I mean, compare that to forty six landed by by Alvarez. Um, that I I'd be curious to hear from Abel Sanchez and from Gennady, and say what happened there because it's it's really. I don't know how you can go through the first fight. See that you only landed in the single digits on on body punches, and then do it again in the rematch. I'm not quite sure what they what they saw. There's probably an explanation if Gennady decided he was going to punch, or excuse me, was going to sit back and try to box. He had Canelo finally coming at him, and he was going to box Canelo a little bit. Which I mean, if you look at the jab stats, he outlanded Canelo in jabs one eighteen to fifty nine. So if that was his plan, then. Okay, but um, I think down the stretch, if Triple G and, and Teddy Atlas, for for all his eccentric personality and everything else, he has the the um, the comparison, the analogy of you know putting water in the basement of the house by going to the body. Um, I think if Gennady had gone to the body early, even if he was losing those early rounds, like he appeared to on mo- most of the early rounds, if he's going to the body and he's put and he's Getting to Canelo that way, maybe those rounds go another way, or maybe when he starts landing the big shots later in the fight, he's done enough damage to the body that uh, hurt Canelo is a knocked down Canelo. Uh, but that's again, hey, armchair quarterback. Anybody who, if you listen to anybody's podcast on iTunes, in anywhere you're getting your podcasts, or our friends at Anchor in particular, anybody you're listening to, we're armchair quarterbacks at the end of the day. We're all sitting here. We all have an opinion. You know, I've been watching boxing my whole life. I've been to fights, credentialed for world title fights to 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 um, to cover them for the as, as a member of the media. Um, we all have our have our um, emphasis and on and our ideas on strategy for fights. And 
I'd be I'm very eager to hear as it starts to creep out over the over the coming weeks how how Triple G can only land six body punches. Um that that was pretty extraordinary and I think in my opinion cost him the fight on the cards. Um in any event, 115-113, two times over for Canelo, 114-114. That's seven rounds to five, six rounds to six. Now, again, if you're like me, you take all the pre-fight buildup, you listening to you've watched 24-7 at least once for that for each fight. And you you watch, you know, the, the morning shows, you DVR the morning shows, you go to work and well, I want to hear what Max Kellerman and Stephen A. Smith have to say and um you go through all that, then you have your fight night, have your party, get your beer, get your chips, get your get your get your food going and you have your fun with your fight, and you're yelling at the TV, and you're doing all this stuff. Then you get to the end of the fight, and now you're going to go back over to the, to our friends at ESPN, or whichever channel you watch, and, and you're going to hear how, I was very eager to hear how they, how they were going to report on that one, um, because it was an awfully close fight. But we go over there, and Stephen A. Smith has it closed. Teddy Atlas says it's a, it's a robbery. There's more money in Canelo, in Canelo winning than, than Golovkin. He's right in that regard that there is more money in the 28-year-old Latino champion moving forward than a 36-year-old uh, than a 36-year-old middleweight champion. Um, certainly more more money. Anybody could look at the economics and figure that one out. Um, but not every boxing match, not every major fight's fixed. Not not every major fight's rigged. Not every major fight's a calamity. Uh, they took it from this guy, even though he should have won, and, and all this other stuff. It, not every fight is that way. There's close fights. You can agree with the decision, or you, you can disagree with the decision. But not every fight's a robbery. Um, Adelaide Bird really messed up the, a, a year ago. She was the 118-110 scorecard for Canelo in the first fight, which nobody on planet Earth thought was accurate and that kind of soured that whole first fight but imagine if Adelaide had had a better night and scored at seven to five for Canelo and then the other judges had seven to five Golovkin and then six six and you had a draw that way I don't think that fight gets slammed anywhere near as much as it did um that first fight was a close fight this fight was another close fight it's the style that holds the thing styles make fights um, but I'm a little disappointed in a lot of the, the media coverage of the aftermath of the fight because, you know, it's not, it doesn't do us any good to always, it doesn't do us, the boxing community, boxing fans, boxing press, boxing promoters, boxing boxers, <laughs> it doesn't do anybody any good to always have that, that, that air of controversy. So I think it's a little irresponsible for folks to always be claiming robbery. Um, Skip Bayless got on Twitter and said, uh, might as well be watching WWE, Triple G won that fight, or something like that. And that's simply wrong. It, it's not even a matter of opinion. That's simply wrong. Um, so I, I, anybody who hears this podcast, and again, we're getting off the, just getting off the ground and would appreciate any support anybody who's listening to this could provide in terms of feedback, um, anything else, we'd certainly love um, anything you could provide to us, but um, we're going to give you just more opinion and more debate and more op- opportunities to interact, but 
boy, you know, not every fight's fixed. You know, I, I back in the back in the nineties, you know, when I was growing up as a kid back in the day, you know, the big fight for for my generation uh, was was you would you would get set up for Mike Tyson. You know, you'd you'd order the pay per view fights. They were twenty nine ninety five unless it was Mike. And if Mike was fighting, forty four ninety five, baby. And if you ordered the day of the fight, fifty bucks. But it's Mike Tyson, so it was. There was an air of it being special, and even with that, who 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 was the boogeyman behind Mike Tyson? Who was the who was the guy that you would look at Mike? Who gets blamed for a lot of of some of the um, ill stuff that happened to Mike Tyson back then? Don King. Everybody, <laughs> every, you you take a look back in the promoters and you blame Don King for a lot of stuff. You had bad decisions. I mean, Trinidad de la Hoya, uh, Holyfield and Lennox Lewis, um, the referee picking Richard Steele to referee Meldrick Taylor and uh, and Julio Cesar Chavez. You know, and who got blamed for all that? Don King, because he was the most prominent figure out there. Uh, Bob Arum to a lesser extent, but Don King was would get hammered. If you <laughs> if um if you watch the uh the coverage now, who's getting hammered? Who gets panned as being this as influencing judges and influencing um officials and all that? Now it's Oscar de la Hoya. Now it's Golden Boy Promotions that somehow are fixing fights. In this day and age, you know, in this day and age, if you look I mean Completely jumping off topic for a second. Why do we have fewer UFO sightings? Everyone has a camera in their pocket. Why are there fewer Unsolved Mysteries TV shows? Why Why is there fewer... No, you don't ever see videos like that anymore. Why is that? Now everybody has that phone in their pocket, the email, everything else. Do you think if Oscar De La Hoya had paid somebody off to influence a fight, that that would have been kept quiet? Do you really think... Now, think about it. I'll be real now. I mean, in social media, Twitter, everybody wants their five seconds of fame. Everybody wants their opportunity to truly come out here and say, hey, look at me. That's where we are as a society. Do you really think if promoter A, if and everybody says stuff about Golden Boy these days, but do you really think somebody could have influenced the judges and everybody kept it quiet? The state commission, the judge themselves, the judge's family, the promoter's family... You know, of course not. <laughs> I, that I, that that would be that'd be truly extraordinary, and it's not feasible. It's not realistic. It's people grasping for a reason when they don't when something comes off that they, they don't agree with. Is it impossible for that to happen? No, it's not impossible for for that to happen. But every fight, every fight, every major fight, when it's a close fight and someone says someone got robbed every time, it's some. Some dastardly thing because it's boxing? Come on. It's a subjective sport. It's a subjective... It's, a, it's subjective. I mean... <laughs> if you watch... If you look, compare both their faces... You want, you want to take some subjectivity out of it? Look at Golovkin... Look, find a picture of Triple G's face at the end of this fight from last, from last Saturday. Look at his face and tell me he got robbed. Look at his face and tell me that Triple G should have easily won that fight. Uh, <laughs> Triple G got beat up. So did Canelo, but Triple G got got some something put on him for a lot of that fight. So I and again I'm somebody who yes said Canelo was going to win a decision in our in our preview show, but I scored the fight for Golovkin too. So it was a close, subjective fight. 
Now, moving forward. Now, trying to get away from that fight. And nothing should be taken away from the two fighters that, that had one amazing battle. You don't typically see fights like that when you order your pay-per-views anymore. This was a phenomenal, phenomenal fight. Both of these guys should be um, heralded as the champions that they are. And both have, have good futures ahead of them in terms of securing great fights. Um, obviously, Canelo will have uh, additional opportunities now as the out-and-out middleweight champion of the world uh, to put together fights that we as fans have been dreaming about. Can you imagine Canelo Alvarez and David Lemieux? Anybody who saw the undercard um, on Saturday and saw that first-round knockout, David Lemieux can hit. I mean, he had like a 15-pound weight advantage over the poor guy he fought, you know, thanks to rehydrating up to like a cruiserweight. But... You know, anybody who watched David Lemieux, and and yes, Triple G stopped him, you know, a, a couple of years ago now, but um, that's an interesting fight. You put David Lemieux, who's, and David Lemieux is a WBA mandatory. Um, and and <laughs> anybody who's listened to this podcast a lot knows my opinion about, w, about the sanctioning bodies and mandatory challengers, but David Lemieux will probably be getting a shot at some point. And... There's some scuttlebutt coming out right now in terms of uh, a December fight for Canelo. If his eye heals, he had that nasty cut. Anybody who watched the fight saw the nasty cut over Canelo's left eye. And um, if that cut will allow Canelo to fight in December, if it heals in time, um, everything I'm hearing uh, points to David Lemieux to get that mandatory out of the way for another fight for Canelo in the not-too-distant future. And that's a great fight. Um, I would pick Canelo to win that fight, but there would be danger for Canelo uh, throughout. It would it would be very similar to the way you would view a, a Golovkin fight. Um, the other person out there is Jamel Charlo, who I believe is the WBC mandatory. Um, that, again, is another phenomenal matchup. I mean, that's something people would, would be drooling over to watch that fight because there would be danger inherently throughout for Canelo. For Golovkin, it's a little, it's a, boy, it's an interesting road for where Golovkin goes from here. I mean, with Triple G, the obvious answer, the most money and everything else would be the third fight with Alvarez. And, you know, uh, yeah, you could do it for May 5th. You could do it for Single de Mayo weekend, wherever that lands next year. Um, you could do it that weekend. You could do it next September. But after that, you're, you, I mean, that puts Golovkin almost 30. If you don't hit either of those two dates moving forward, that puts Golovkin at going from 37 to 38. He's 36 now. He'd be 37 for the next set of fights, either May or September. Then you're looking at 38, whereas Alvarez would be he's 28 now. He'd be 29 for the next one and then into his 30s after that. Um I, if I'm Triple G's management, I'm not waiting more than a year. I, I think you're going to get to a point there where, I mean, any, you could say, you can't really say got old overnight in terms of Golovkin, but he didn't look like he was at his best on Saturday um, for whatever reason. If that was age, if that was simply Canelo um, with a different strategy that, that Abel and, and Gennady were not ready for, I mean... And again, a lot of people thought Gennady won the fight. So, I mean, who, who am I to say that? But um, in any event, I'm hopeful that Golovkin, you know, you can't put him in there with a Marta Rosen again because, I mean, a two-round destruction really doesn't do Triple G a lot of good. Um, 
you'd have to, I guess you'd have to look to see what's out there. I mean, anybody I met, Charlo, or I don't think you put him in there with Lemieux again. We've kind of already seen that fight. But uh, Charlo would be good. Billy Joe Saunders, that's kind of gone away a little bit now that, that Triple G doesn't have his belt. Um, Demetrius Andrade would be a tough fight for Gennady. Um, if Andre could take his punches, and that would be the, the question of that fight, because Andre can box. Um, so the winner of Saunders and Demetrius would be an interesting thought. Um, the winner of that fight would also be an incredibly interesting thought for Canelo. Uh, in particular, I think Billy Joe Saunders gives Canelo all kinds of problems. I don't know who I'd pick in that particular fight. kind of depends on how Billy Joe looks in, in his fight with Andre and if he wins that fight and, and how impressively. Um, that I think that boxing matchup, I mean, you kind of look at the... Canelo's track record, and he that the a fellow boxer I think would be a little bit more problematic than somebody like Lemieux, who's going to be that bull who comes after him. But um, a lot of different options out there for both Canelo and Golovkin. I I don't particularly see them fighting each other again. I'd say you probably want to look at next September again. So it'll be three Septembers in a row where you have this fight, and I think everybody would be thrilled if that's how that turned out. I could see Canelo, if his eye's ready, I, I, the, the, the rumor is it'll be in New York against Lemieux in December if his eye's ready. Um, I, I would assume then they would look at Cinco de Mayo again for um, another fight. So if he doesn't fight in December, I would watch for that Lemieux fight to come off. In uh, for for Cinco de Mayo, and then in September, I would probably see him going after Triple G or Triple G getting to that point with Triple G having won some type of a tune up uh, to to get back on the winning track. The I'll touch on the undercard here for a minute, um, and thank you if you're if you're listening to this podcast. I want to thank you. This is this is an opportunity to just share thoughts and insights and. And I'm hopeful to engage folks in a discussion is really what I want to do with this. I want to have the opportunity to talk to fellow fans of the sport, fellow you know boxing you know or us amateur historians <laughs> and 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 just have a chance to chat. I mean, if you've listened to this podcast through this this far already, you either think, I really like this guy because he's thinking the way I'm thinking, or you're thinking, boy, this guy has no idea what he's talking about, and I can't wait to give him a piece of my mind. Please do. Please, hashtag 12 Round News. Get back to me on Twitter. You're going to find this link on Twitter. Uh, find us on Facebook. Get back to me. Let me know. Tell me where I'm wrong. Tell me where I am full of it. I would love to engage because I keep telling everybody, unless you get a knockout, it's a subjective sport. It, it, it's not. It's very rare, crystal clear. Yes, there's always exceptions to that rule, but it's a subjective sport. So, and and opinions about things are subjective. I think I go on and on about talking about mythical matchups from back in the day that either never happened or you take two errors, put them together, and talk about who's going to win that fight. I I am eager to get one of those podcasts up, and I'm going to do that in the not-too-distant future. Um, and I want some engagement. I would love to hear from you guys and, and let me know what you think about some a mythical matchup that maybe you've thought of or you and your buddies thought of. You're in the barbershop. You're driving in the car, whatever the case may be, and boxing comes up and... You go, well, who you know, Marvin Hagler and Sugar Ray Leonard fought a second time a rematch, you know, six months later, a year later. Who would have won that fight? Because I thought Hagler won. Well, I thought Leonard won. Okay. You get the idea. I, I want, that's where I, I want to see us going. Not just covering fights, um, but talking about some of the other stuff that makes boxing so enjoyable. But 
I digress. I'm looking at the undercard now, and we, you know, as far as predictions, I think I was four for four. I said Canelo's going to win a decision. I said Jaime Munguia was going to win. I said David Lemieux was going to win. I said Chocolatito was going to win. For the benefit of the fans, the three undercard fights were fantastic because they were all definitive. They were all knockouts. Um, as I said in the preview show, Chocolatito was not going to be put in with somebody who could give him much of a fight in his return after being demolished in his last fight. There was no way they were going to put him in there with somebody who was going to demolish him again. There was no way they were going to put him in danger. If he lost that fight, that was the end of the line for Chocolatito. So good to see Chocolatito score with a great right hand and just flatten the poor guy he was fighting. Um, next was David Lemieux and... I thought of the undercard, I thought that fight was going to be the most uh, most competitive, the most opportunity for O'Sullivan to maybe you know show what he could do a bit and have... I, I certainly predicted I thought Lemieux was going to win the fight, but I thought it was going to be a competitive fight, and that didn't happen. <laughs> uh, first round KO, a left hook from hell from David Lemieux. Um, I had, like I mentioned earlier, I had a bunch of people over for the... For the uh, for the main event and the timing of having all these quick knockouts and um, having the main events main event scheduled to come on at eight, the the fun of that was I had an opportunity when people people didn't come in right at five because I'm over here on the west coast. People came in kind of staggered a little bit, and <laughs> I made it a point after that Lemieux fight. I said. Don't even watch. Just listen. That left hook is one of the hardest shots you're ever going to hear. And and O'Sullivan is still looking for whatever he was looking for on the ground there. Because that was a hellacious left hook. Um, without going too far into the weight thing. Um, he, David Lemieux came in at pretty much a cruiserweight. He was somewhere in the 179 range off the top of my head. And uh, O'Sullivan rehydrated, I believe, up to 160. Five, I'll say. I'm, I'm, I know I'm really close there. So he had about a 15-pound weight advantage, Lemieux did, in this fight. And as Roy Jones said, you know, if you hit somebody, if a cruiserweight hits a super middleweight like that, that's likely to be what's going to happen is he's going to get demolished. So that's ex it's exactly what happened. And, but Lemieux could do that to anybody at any at any time fighting a middleweight. Um, both guys, I, I mean, you could... You could argue the rehydration thing both ways. Both guys had the opportunity to make weight and then rehydrate, but should there be some type of a weight where you make your 160 or whatever weight class you're in, and you you have when you weigh you have to weigh in again the next day, but make it 170. Give him a 10 pound, let him gain 10 pounds, but you can't gain more than 10 pounds. Um, that would give both guys an opportunity to say, eh, but you're not going to get a drastic jump. Just the thought. I mean, both guys had the opportunity to do it, but only one guy did. You get a first-round demolition that's going to be on Lemieux's highlight reel for the rest of his career. Then in the in the co-main was the return of Jaime Munguia. And again, I in the preview show, I said there's no way you're putting Jaime Munguia in with anybody that has a pulse. Because you're trying to build him up for down the road. He's 21, 22 years old. And lo and behold, third-round knockout win for Jaime Munguia. No surprise there. The kid has the tools. He... he he rem I keep thinking he reminds me of Felix Trinidad. He just is, I don't know if it's his demeanor or the way he, he throws his punches, but he reminds me a bit of Tito Trinidad. Uh, he's a big, he's a big kid. Um, I'm very eager to see what when he takes another step up. I mean, folks who are really high on, on Jaime Munguia um, have to be reminded that last May when Triple G was looking for a replacement for Canelo after all that Conluterol stuff, 
the California State Athletic Commission said Jaime Munguia does not have the experience and we are not going to sanction Jaime Munguia versus Triple G. So I, I'd be really curious to see when that position changes because as Triple G gets older in the next year or two, starts going from 36, 37, 38, 39... Jaime Munguia is going from 21, 22, 23, 24. Um, I could see some opportunistic matchmaker putting them together in one of those crossroads fights. Um, I, I would like to think that's not going to happen here in the in between now and you know, I mentioned next September for a possible trilogy fight with Canelo. I'd like to think that, that, that they're not going to do that because Jaime Munguia, as good as he's been in the last couple of fights... Did his experience really go up that much from when the California State Athletic Commission said, you have no business fighting Golovkin? Something to keep an eye on, something to keep in mind and wonder why things have changed if if things change on that front. But Jaime Munguia looked fantastic in the next couple of years. I could see him fighting Canelo on a major uh, single de Mayo pay-per-view in, three, in about three years. I think, to me, that makes sense. We'll see how fast they want to bring him along. I mentioned Tr- Felix Trinidad. I don't want to see Jaime Munguia get the Fernando Vargas treatment and get put into the ring with a banger too early. Um, everybody who... I mean, and, and uh, without going off on a tangent about Vargas and Trinidad, Vargas came back and was competitive in that fight, but he was never the same after that fight. He took a pounding from Trinidad. Um, in any event, I, I hope that doesn't happen to Munguia. So... Undercard was entertaining. You had stoppages. You had knockouts, highlight reel stuff. Then you had about an hour wait until Triple G and Canelo came out for the main event. And I, I, we, we put something on Twitter. You know, we, they had a commercial for I, probably Tecate, probably for beer. And it was, a, it was a legitimate commercial. It was a legitimate ad. We said something like, nothing like spending $85 on a pay-per-view to be hit with commercials. You know, if you're going to hype the fights coming up next time, that's proper. That's good business. And you have your paid sponsors to pay for the fight. I get it. I get it. But it's kind of like paying for ads on the, you know, if you, if you, uh, Paying the X amount of dollars on your favorite app to not have to see ads anymore. You'd like to think you're paying $85 for a fight. I don't need to be hit with the beer ad. The beer, the, the Tecate logo is literally everywhere I look on my screen. It's up in the rafters. It's on the mat. It's on the guy's trunks. I don't really need to. I got it. I got the 18-pack of Tecate in my fridge. I got it. I don't need to keep seeing Tecate. I get it. It's the official beer of boxing. I get it. Cool. Sorry. Got off on a rant there. But... In any event, you know, it was also college football weekend, so I didn't have to watch too much of that. We just flipped back and forth between boxing and then the fights until the main event came on. And um, go Cougs, by the way. And uh, it was a great night. Uh, You know, controversy creates cash. Somebody wrote that book. Um, And and you'll get a retweet from me if you can hashtag 12 Round News and tell me who wrote that book. Um... Moving forward for for both the guys in the main event, um, we kind of touched on who their future opponents could be. That fight really shouldn't diminish either one of them. I know some people were booing Triple G when he left and didn't talk to Max Kellerman after the fight. I hope folks don't hold that against him too much. I don't think they will. Um, I think Canelo and whoever he fights next is going to be must-see TV. And I think the same will go for Golovkin. I think whoever Triple G, whoever they put Triple G with, you know, on the, on the next one is going to do monster numbers. My thought will be it'll be on standard HBO. Um, I don't think he'll put him back on pay-per-view as the A-side because he, he, whatever your opinion of the fight, he did not get the decision. So my guess is he'll be on HBO in the next few months as the A-side of a, of a HBO World Championship boxing uh, fight. 
Um, I, I was reading that both both Triple G and Canelo are technically free agents in terms of their network. So I say HBO World Championship Boxing, but there's all the streaming services and Showtime and, and uh, uh, PBC and all this other stuff going on. So who knows where they're going to show up? I assume they're going to stick with HBO, but I don't know that for sure. Um, you will hear from me online and in podcast form when that information is made available, but... In any event, um, I'm going to transition away from from Triple G and Canelo now. Um, looking forward to the uh, the big fight this Saturday coming up, Anthony Anthony Joshua and Alexander Povetkin for Joshua's uh, portions of the heavyweight championship. Uh, Povetkin, the last time I watched Povetkin, and I'm kind of doing this on the fly, uh, was his loss to Vladimir Klitschko. Um, I don't see a reason to pick Povetkin now. Uh, Anthony Joshua is coming into his own. Um, Povetkin is an Olympian. I mean, Povetkin is a class act, a class fighter. Uh, <laughs> Povetkin is a very good fighter. Let's try that again. Povetkin is a very good fighter. Um, this will be a competitive fight. And the the app that... Um, that Anthony Joshua's promoter is putting out there, D-A-Z-N, I think I've heard people call it, refer to it as Dazone, um, Danzen, something, <laughs> D-A-Z-N, and somebody can correct me on how that's, how, how that's being marketed and how that's being uh, put out there, but um, it's a subscription service, just like seems like everybody's doing a subscription service thing these days and online streaming to watch the fight, but that is where you can si- find this fight is on that app, so you can definitely search for D-A-Z-N and uh, and take a look and see if that might uh, be something you want to do for this Saturday. If you don't have any, any good uh, college football coming up, you want to watch the heavyweight championship of the world be decided, it would be a good fight. I certainly think Josh was going to win that fight. Um, yeah, I don't particularly see that being a super competitive. I was I was debating whether I think... Anthony AJ is going to hit the knockout or not, and something tells me Povetkin's going to be stubborn enough to kind of last and get through that fight, but maybe not. I mean, we'll see. If if I had to make a prediction, I'll say AJ wins a lopsided, one nineteen ish, eleven to one type of a fight, and somebody will find a route somewhere to give to Povetkin. But um, I don't see that fight being super competitive. Um, and then there was news that broke last um, Saturday, right before Triple G and Canelo. Involving May Pack 2. We have Floyd Mayweather fighting Manny Pacquiao, we think. Possibly. Um, it was very West Side Story-ish in terms of how this was put out on Instagram with, with Floyd and Pacquiao looking at each other. They had their supporters behind them and they said, We're gonna I'm getting Floyd turns around to the camera and says, I'm coming out of retirement in December and I'm fighting Pacquiao. That's great. Um it wasn't lost on me, and I saw a lot of other folks highlighted the fact that the this announcement came the same day as the fight of the biggest fight of 2018 was taking place. So they knew they'd have an audience. So it wasn't a coincidence that this happened to all coincide um, with the, with Triple G and Canelo's rematch. That that certainly was not a coincidence. Um, If the fight comes off in December, I'd be surprised, but not shocked. Um, Odds were posted on the fight shortly after it was announced. And, and Pacquiao, I'm going to ballpark this a little bit. It was plus 210 was his odds. I know it was over 200. It may have been 210, 220, something along those lines. But it was 
Pacquiao coming in as a as a pretty substantial underdog to Mayweather. Um, Mayweather's last fight, as everybody knows, was against uh, McGregor. Uh, I don't know. That's a <laughs> uh, both guys are certainly not at their peak fighting anymore. I, they weren't at their peak when they fought the first time. So um, I see no reason, and we'll we'll delve into this if this gets announced and finds a network home and. And it starts getting all the build and everything else that, that if a fight like this is coming again, it's going to get publicity, it's going to get build, it's going to get attention. Um, and we'll delve it, dive into it a lot more if, if it comes off. So we'll, we'll keep our eyes open for that. Um, I certainly don't see any reason, at least at this point, for me, to, for me to think the fight will go any differently than the first one. I mean, there's no reason for, for me, outside looking in, to think that. Um, I, I do think about, you know, Floyd call, has the hat, you know, the TBE, the best ever. And I think, you know, Rocky Marciano was 49-0, 43 knockouts. And there is a segment of people, segment of the population, probably folks who don't think a whole lot of the heavyweights these days, who, who would make the case that Rocky Marciano could beat just about anybody. Best heavyweight ever. Why? Because he's undefeated. I don't think there's a lot of people who are in that boat. And I'm just talking heavyweights there with Marciano. I don't think there's a lot of people who agree with that. There's a there's a portion think Marciano never got beat, so be okay. Um, and in the cases he has that O, he's got the O. Okay. Floyd Mayweather, fifty and O, and ESPN made a big deal about you know surpassing Rocky Marciano, even though. Julio Cesar Chavez was something like 88-0, before he finally got beat. So, okay, you know, you can put that on ESPN. And the casual fight fans will find some value in that, but okay. Uh, you know, if the point of, the, of boxing is to be in a slugfest, be in a war, score a bunch of knockouts, and be known as this tough guy, if that's your definition of a, bo- of, of a great fighter, then Floyd Mayweather is not your man. If your definition of being a great boxer, a great fighter, is take the least amount of risk, and I'm not, and that's not even fair. I don't think that's fair. Let's try that again. It's win as many fights as you can, avoid getting beat, and make as much money as possible. Who's better than Floyd Mayweather? Think about that. If your goal is you want to, you're going to come out undefeated, and make a kajillion dollars. Who's who? Who's better than Floyd Mayweather? I mean, I think there was a time, and my personal all-time favorite fighter, and anybody who's listening to this probably knows this. My personal all-time favorite fighter is Roy Jones. I think pound for pound, at his peak, you put everybody in the same weight class. Roy Jones is coming out on top. Roy Jones is the man at his peak. And there was a case to be made that Roy Jones could have had that mantle uh, up until he kind of went the opposite direction. We started fighting uh, his second fight with Antonio Tarver. Really, his first fight with Antonio Tarver. Um, oh, and a shout-out to Mr. Tarver, the, the former light heavyweight champion who now follows 12-round news. A big shout-out to, to Antonio Tarver, a.k.a. Mason the Line Dixon. Um, very much appreciative of that and, and looking forward to ch- talking with you soon there, champ. Appreciate it. Um, but 
Roy, going back to Roy Jones, had a almost perfect record, made a good money, not not Floyd Mayweather money, but he made good money. Um, and most, and you, and you could, <laughs> other than the disqualification loss to Montel Griffin, you really didn't know how to beat him until Tarver got him in the second fight. With Mayweather, he made a, he took that 24-7, and Oscar De La Hoya, that put him into the stratosphere, dancing with the stars, WrestleMania, all this stuff. Stratosphere. And he plays what he plays on TV so well that people are either buying it because that's my guy or they're buying it because, boy, I hope he gets clipped on the chin. But they bought it. <laughs> He's the best salesman since Ali, easily. Well, Mike Tyson, but I digress. He's one of the best salesmen of all time in terms of this is what I got. You're either going to like me or you're going to hate me, but you're going to watch me. There, that's that's amazing, and that still sticks. That's why, even if you were watching the, the follow-up of Triple G and Canelo the other night, Mayweather made news. He got on there and stole some shine. It, he didn't take all the shine. Most people were still talking about the fight. But Mayweather got on there and stole some shine. So to bring him in against his perceived arch nemesis in Manny Pacquiao, it's going to do numbers. It's definitely going to do numbers, regardless of who you think is going to win the fight and who your opinion is of each of the guys. It's it's going to do numbers, and it's going and it's it's interesting. Uh, but it, by the same token, you kind of hope that you go, okay, how much respect do you have for fight fans? Are you really going to try to charge us? You know, the, I mean, last time it was I think that was the first fight to be worth a hundred dollars on pay per view. I deliberately did not watch that fight because they charged ninety nine ninety nine for the fight. I said two over thirty five welterweights. I'm not paying a hundred dollars for that. You, I don't care. It's fine. Are they both great? Absolutely, but. That's a, that was a money play. I mean, I know that it's money Mayweather. I get it. But that was a major money play. I think both guys can make really excellent money. Put it on basic cable. Put it on on Fox. Put it on you know whatever cable channel wants to fork up the money for advertising and everything else. There I would expect some Tecate advertisings. I, was, I would expect some good advertisements from folks on that type of a night. But, I mean... <laughs> it's not a, a mea culpa because a lot of people didn't like the first fight. They didn't weren't weren't sufficiently entertained from the first fight. But they, you want to generate some positive, positive feelings for this fight. Put it on free TV. You want to see a great rating number pop. Put that fight on TV. That num that rating will do astronomical numbers because everybody. Casual fans, you know those two names. You know those two names, and you're going to be intrigued because, like I said, you either really, really like Floyd Mayweather or you really, really, really hope somebody, hope somebody puts that one on that O. You, tell, you hope somebody takes that O makes it a one. So that's my thought on that one. I, I hope that they do the fans a service and try not to charge out the wazoo, out the wazoo no pun intended, Um for that fight, I hope they, if they do that, they'll, they'll I, I will, if you put it on ABC or Fox, I will watch that fight, um, regardless of Mayweather being 41 and Manny being 38, you know, I will watch that fight because it's good drama, it's great, they have a storyline built in, you're going to resonate one way or another on, in terms of who you want to win the fight, good for them, and it, and I heard Mayweather might, might pull in 150 mil for that fight, Good for Floyd. You know, that's good for them. But I hope they do it the right way because I think that matters at the end of the day. So 
In any event, that will wrap it up for the podcast today. Please give some feedback, good or bad. How can I do this better? Um, you know, the, through the 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 way I'm recording these podcasts, uh, there's now some opportunities to put you know, some music here and there and some interludes and this type of thing. And I'm working on trying to tie that in to make it a little bit more entertaining, a little bit more enjoyable to listen to. Um, but that's going to also take some time. So I would love to hear from you. If you've listened to this podcast, if you're still with me at this point, you're either a family member or you're really a diehard boxing fan. And, and either way, I very much appreciate you taking the time to uh, to to listen to my uh, my thoughts on what was a phenomenal fight last Saturday night and some great fights coming up and, and, and entertaining entertaining couple of months coming up to close out 2018 in the world of boxing. So with that, I'm going to sign off and say until next time, this has been Rick Evans for the 12 Round News Podcast. I hope you have a wonderful rest of your day.